Hello. Yes, that collective sigh thinking about those hot temperatures was the Pet Chat team. We've got Cheryl Shaw, Dr. David Tabret. Hello to you both. Hello. We get shocked every year, don't we, that it gets hot in summer? (laughs) (laughs) The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. (laughs) Certainly. Astounding. It is astounding. Now, today we're talking about hot temperature, Cheryl, and things we should and shouldn't be doing with our dogs. Absolutely, Sarah. And animals in general. Yeah, the heat really bothers me about what pets, you know, how the pets are treated, so it's important. Yeah, you've got to read their body language because they can't say, hey. Big problem. I'm a bit hot. Yeah. Yeah. Can I have a sit down and some water? Taking our first call, Carol, you're in Cessnock. Now, your dog has some vocal issues. Yes, that's right. Hi, Carol. It's David. So what's going on with your... Is it a 13-year-old Border Collie you were telling us? Yes. Uh, my vet um, sees him regularly. Yes. And he, he has lazy vocal flaps in his throat. Oh. So his breathing is um, yep. compromised. Right. Yes. And, so um, does he make a noise when he's breathing normally? Yes, he just sort of... Um, Makes a little bit of this like a panting type of breathing most of the time. All you right. can hear, hear, hear him breathing, in other words. And yeah. what about when he's sleeping? Does he snore? No, he doesn't. Okay. No, he, he sleeps very well. Oh, good, I was, good. I was just wondering about this hot weather. We have a farm and he likes to walk out morning and afternoon. Yes. Um, with me when I feed my horses, but I wondered if I should let him come if it's 40 degrees, but will compromise his breathing ability. Well, for any dog in this temperature, I think we need to be very careful. And obviously, you know, the earlier you can get outside is probably better because the air is going to be a bit cooler. It's also uh, a little bit more dewy and things like that. So as soon as things start to heat up, what happens is for dogs to lose heat, they need to pant. And so the tissues in the back of their throat start to swell a little bit with increased blood flow. And as they're panting, that changes the airway dynamics, which also okay. causes the tissue to swell. So if he does have some degree of paralysis or you know problems with his vocal folds or the cartilage in the back of his throat already, then he's certainly going to be more at risk of having problems you know, if he gets into either overheated just because the temperature's hot or because he's exercised, uh, even in somewhat mild heat. I've seen a lot of dogs that have had problems with breathing and heat exhaustion, um, even when we might think the temperature is normal. Usually it's at the end of the day is more risky than it is at the beginning. And the reason is, is during the day they build up kind of this uh, bulk of temperature in their body. Their muscle builds up temperature. And so they're still trying to cool down throughout the rest of the day. And as you take them out, they go for a walk or whatever, uh, just that little bit of exercise, it's like they're generating more heat than they can lose. And so that's what creates the problem. So probably early morning's going to be okay. Common sense and listening to his breathing will really give you the, the guide as to what to do. But certainly stay away from the middle of the day and make sure he's got uh, cool areas, plenty of fresh water, and sometimes uh, with, well, particularly with border collies, with their long coat, a lot of people might cool them, wet them down if if they're in a particularly hot state. But um, their coat does keep them cool generally anyway. So, Okay. I use it always in the air-conditioned house during the day, but he just hates us 
blowing out without him. He oh, hates yes. the yard. Yes. Want to miss out. <laughs> well, I mean, even for your, for your own health, I think I'd want to avoid the 40-degree days. Yeah, so. early mornings are, mm. are the best, Are the best, they? yeah. Yeah, okay. 49216216. Thanks for your call, Carol. If you do have a question for Dr. David Tabret, Cheryl, that actually ties in with what you're wanting to chat about today, and that's things that I guess you witness being in town and uh, seeing a lot of dogs walk past and, and walking our pets on really hot days. Yeah, look, Sarah, a lot of people have changed their routines. With COVID, so many people are now working from home or they've lost their jobs. And also a lot of people have got a new dog this year. You know, they've had time mm. to be at home. So what has happened? Because of the changes in people's routines, not you know, not taking the dog for an early morning walk before they go to work or that late afternoon walk, They've got time. They're sitting at home. They see their dog and think, oh, yeah, I'm going to do some exercise, take the dog. And what I'm seeing is lots of dogs walking on hot, you know, tar. The the bitumen gets so intensely hot. Mm. So that really concerns me. And even the concrete, it's really hot. I mean, we put on our joggers and we put on our, you know, our runners and off we go. But we don't give consideration to what's happening to the dog's paws. Now, like David was saying before, the dogs need to be able to pant, but they also lose some of their temperature and cool themselves by their pads as well. So using their pads and their their panting is how they cool down. But if we're taking them out in in the middle of the day when it's really hot... We're really jeopardising their health because not only can they get heat exhaustion, but also they can get really badly burnt feet. So their pads can blister and burn, mm. and that creates a big problem, doesn't it, David? Yeah, I've, I've seen a few dogs with that problem. Mm-hmm. And um, it's an interesting thing about the anatomy of the paw. Once that surface is damaged, it's very slow to grow back. It can take months and months oh, and months. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what if people think, okay, dogs' um, pads, they're different to our feet, they're, they're, they're stronger, they've got more protection. What is the actuality with that? What is no, the look, truth? No, as uh, Cheryl was saying, they're just the same. And so, same. so it's the same as us walking sometimes, with bare feet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and one thing I've seen people say is put the back of your hand on the surface, you know, whether it's the road or the concrete. And if it it's hot and burning on the back of your hand. Don't yeah. walk your dog on it. So yeah. there is that, that five-second test. If you can't keep your hand there, your dog shouldn't be there. So, yeah. you know, it's really important that we understand. And the other thing, too, that a lot of people think, oh, I'll go off to the beach, it'll be lovely, and they put their dog in the car. Now, if it's a utility, those backs of those utes can be so incredibly oh, yeah. hot and burn the dog's feet. And then when they get to the beach, they've got to walk from the car to the water and the sand can be exactly the same burning temperature so we do need to give some thought and you know i want people to exercise their dogs but just early morning or late afternoon yes you know it's it's funny saying that about with the change with covid because that exact problem we saw with dogs that were over exercised yes so i remember i remember back in i think it was april and we had a little pug brought in and he was having really struggling with his sore back and everything. And we wor- worked out that he'd gone from one walk every two days to three walks a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And within a it's week, he was much. just like, oh, couldn't walk. So yeah. we just said, stop walking him. Yeah. So, you know, obviously <laughs> the, the mentality behind it's great, but you need to yeah. <laughs> think stop about and them consider. and be realistic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Glenn in Madawi, welcome. You've got a Labrador and a bit of an irritation happening with your Labrador's ear. Yes, that is the problem. So what's uh, how long have we had this problem, Glenn? 
All right. Have you been to the vets about it? No, I haven't, but I just sort of seek advice first. Yeah, no worries. So um, is it just one ear, one that's causing the problem? That's right, yeah, just the left ear. She's walking around sort of with the ear, you know, with her head on the side, and she shakes her head quite often. She tries to stick a paw in there to scratch it or something. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. So we do see uh, dogs will get otitis externa, which is the problem we're talking about. So otitis just means ear inflammation. Externa is because there's the external ear canal and then interna, and there's another form which is called media. Um, But in terms of external ear infections and so on, we can get a lot of different causes. So sometimes it's they get excess water in the ear, they've got decreased uh, ventilation. So the best way to think about it is that the the dog's ear, our ear just goes straight in, right? But a dog's ear has a lot of extra tissue, and so it's actually an L shape. So it goes down and then it goes in. And yeah. basically it's like a funnel with a plug in the bottom of it, okay? So what goes in very often doesn't come out. And, yeah, if there's hair in the ear canal as well, what that'll do is it can often decrease ventilation and then as soon as they get any sort of infection or inflammation, it will actually start to cause the tissue to swell up. So the problem there is now we've got less space and what that does is it creates a very nice warm and humid uh, moist area for bacteria and yeast uh, to grow in the tissue and in the skin and that's what irritates it. So you kind of get this vicious cycle um, you know, it might start off with something very small, but very quickly it starts to escalate. If that's left untreated, apart from being quite painful, ears are notoriously painful for dogs, but the infection can spread and it goes through the eardrum. It'll burst the eardrum, goes into the middle ear, and then if it goes any further, and I have seen this happen, uh, it can start to cause uh, problems with the nerves and potentially yeah. it can go to the brain. I haven't seen that, but it can happen. But if it causes yeah. problems with the nerves, what we start to see is is that the dog's eyes will actually be oscillating from side to side. Right. And that's associated with damage to the nerve in the middle of the ear. Okay? Yeah. So it's pretty serious stuff. And as I said, just the pain level, I think, we've got to get on top of it. Now, the difficulty is, of course, that... Um, a lot of the time people are saying, well, you know, is this something I can treat with medication at home or mix something up? Because we're worried about the eardrum, we don't want to put anything down in the ear that could potentially go through the eardrum and then damage the nerve that's in there. So the best way is to get to see your vet. What they'll do is they'll look down that ear. They'll probably take a swab from the ear uh, they might look at it under the microscope and work out what they need to treat it with. Um, and that's when it starts to get, well, you know, if we've got this sort of bacteria, we treat with this. If we've got this sort of yeast, we treat with this. And oftentimes it'll take probably a good month or so of treatment to get on top of because we really need to get that clean and then work out why it happened in the first place. And once they go through those steps, 
hopefully we should get back on track. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks for the call, Glenn. Now, our very own Kev Kellaway's popped in. Kev, you've got a, a fantastic photo you're showing us on the iPad. Can you just explain what it is? Yeah, photos look good on radio. Um, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take you back. I'll Let me take you back a couple of years, firstly. Um, I, I go to my letterbox to get my mail, as we all do, mm. and I noticed this is a couple of years ago, pieces of grass, and I thought, what the hell is this for? And I ripped it all out. The next day, it's back again more. And I'm thinking some idiot is going around shoving crap in my letterbox, right? <laughs> yep. So I have yep. a chat to my neighbour and say, mate, you've got some rubbish in your letterbox. No, no, we're all good. How come it's just me? So I'm, every time we'd go, I'd pull Special. it all out. You'd, yes. So that's, about, that's a good two years ago. Last year... More crap is in my letterbox. So twigs and sticks and... Right. Only, only this time, a witness, in fact, it was my son, said to me, you realise you've got a bird flying in and out of your letterbox? What? So, <laughs> right, get out. So every time, I was just constantly clearing it, clearing it. So it's back. It's and back. now we have, in fact, on, I think it was Sunday, I cleared the letterbox of rubbish. Uh, and of course, remember this is a locked letterbox. It's only getting in through the slot where you where you deliver the mail. That's impressive. And of course, so Tuesday morning, that was yesterday, I open up the letterbox, and of course, what you guys on at home can't see, my letterbox is absolutely chocker with grass and twigs and leaves and stuff, and inside is a little blue egg. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty egg. It's not yeah. even Easter. It, I know. So not... We can't even say it was the Easter bunny. No. So what we might do, Sarah, is put this up on our Facebook page so people can see we it. We certainly but will put it up. What I'm confused about, Cheryl, David, the fact that that's a metal letterbox. Yes. So it's going to get awfully hot in there. Well, that's a good place to brood an egg, actually. Like it's incubating the egg. I don't no, it's think not that's your place. main concern. It's not a good place. No, it's <laughs> my letterbox. That's not a good place. <laughs> Ter- terra nullius, uh, Kev. Uh, the bird has taken ownership. You need to stand down. Can I charge rent? Well, perhaps. <laughs> you know, we will put it up on Facebook. I'll do that at one o'clock and we might see if anyone's got suggestions because we've got the same Indian miners that have a nest um, yeah. in our roof, so like we, in we the think, guttering. We think it's an Indian miner. Is that what you... So yes. they, they, pretty eggs. It's pretty, it's... very pretty. Hmm. So, <laughs> so what can we do? Wait for it to hatch. <laughs> Kev's not going to wait for it to hatch. My, my, 25 days. I, uh, it's been suggested to me that I get another letterbox. Yes. Right? So yes. the bird keeps mine. For I the have next, another one. And for, it, for another bird. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what I thought would happen. Another bird's just going to show up. And it's not even a good bird. No. We don't like the Indian miners. No. If it was no, a dove or something, you'd go, oh, okay. Well, we, don't, we can't say for sure. No. What, what species it is. Yeah. We suspect. We have an inkling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All it's right. about to be evicted. <laughs> Maybe you need to put some um, some reflective material around your letterbox and you know, ah, dress it up yes. like with some tinsel for Christmas. What, what's that going to do with the... Well, the bird's not going to That's like actually the a good idea. Yeah. Oh. The bird won't come in to fly into the slot if it kind of comes up and there's that tinsel around. Yeah. Well, here's a little... When the first day I noticed the nest, I pulled it all out. I actually sprayed it with mortine. Get out! So clearly, it didn't, <laughs> didn't work. Had, had no no effect didn't work. whatsoever. Well, that would have got rid the, of the mites. I was going to say on the on the can of mortine, it says mosquitoes, flies, <laughs> Indian miners. Yeah, I'm sure I read that. I don't that. know. I don't know where you're buying your mortine, but 
different. So something that's reflective, though, they don't. Mm. So they think there's another bird already in there. Is that correct, or it just puts them off with the yes, light look, sort of darting? We right we accept no responsibility, though. But that's our <laughs> advice. I'm going to try that for the guttering as well, because Sean threatens them every day, but that's all he does. I'm going to get you, and then he doesn't do a thing about it. Where are you going to put the bird in the egg? Uh, okay, I probably can't say that. Yes, no, no. All right, we'll get some. We'll get some more advice. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Kev. Thanks, Kev. Great photo. <laughs> Great photo. Four nine two one six two one six. So we take all sorts here, don't we? We try to answer oh, all questions. Kev, Kev's okay. Oh, Kev, oh, Kev's all right. Yeah, I don't like he the goes on a bit. that egg being all right though. I think if he rang in, we would have wound him up. Oh, bit. we would have cut him off halfway through, but not kidding. Good, good story. We yeah, love that. Was. Look, when we do have a free line now if you'd like to give us a call, 49216216. And David here to, to help you with your questions as best he can. Mm. Uh, now, David, what are we chatting about today? Last time I was here, we didn't get to talk about toddlers and cats. Oh, okay. Inappropriate urination. That's right. Do you remember? Yes, I do remember. Mm. Okay. We had we had so many calls, we didn't actually get a chance. So we'll see how we go today. Yeah, if we get a chance, we will do that. It's Pet Chat on 2NURFM, and I think I've just lost our, <laughs> our caller, Jennifer. Jennifer, if you're listening, my apologies. Uh, look, Jennifer's question was about um, an elderly Kelpie, and I think this might be her that's just phoned back. Jennifer, is that you? Hello. Hello, is this Jennifer. Yes. Jennifer, now look, you had an older dog pass away inside, but the problem is your cat now won't come inside. Is that correct? Exactly right. Mm. He used to be an indoor, outdoor, please, wherever you wanted to go. And he came inside the day after. He jumped like he was on hot coals, never to come in again. Oh. How old's your cat, Jennifer? He's about eight. Eight, okay. And so just the one cat in the yep. house? Yep. And no other animals now, no other dogs? No. Okay. No. Um, obviously, cats are very perceptive. I did have to have the dog wrapped in a doona until we could get into the crematorium. Okay. It was there overnight. Yeah, the, the cats pick up on everything, don't they? I was uh, Just while we were waiting for you to come on before, the best idea I've got is that we get some fellaway spray. So we often talk about this for cats that are stressed. And it's pheromones? A, yes. Yeah, uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So it comes in different forms. It's actually, um, a lot of people say, well, how does that work for cats? So you know that if your cat's feeling very calm, it comes up and it rubs its cheek yep, on yep. you. So there's glands on the side of the face and it secretes these pheromones that are very calming for cats. So we've worked out what the protein structure is and now we're able to produce it and um, that's what's in the bottle. So it comes in two forms. There's a spray and there's a diffuser. So the diffuser is like one that you plug into a PowerPoint. Which would probably be better, wouldn't it? Well, it, go, it depends on how big your house is and how spread out and where the cat goes. So if you're trying... He goes anywhere he'd like. Yeah, if you're trying to cover a larger area, then the spray's probably better because, um, you know, you could just spray a little bit here and a little bit there, different rooms... If it's if he goes generally into one area, then you might say, well, look, we'll just get the diffuser. So it's worth just looking at the layout of your house and you know knowing your cat's habit, where is it going to go, and then choosing because the spray is a little bit more expensive than the diffuser. When, when he comes inside, he, 
99% of the time you'll love this. I've got an old tablecloth on the table just for this purpose. I play games while I'm listening to the news, <laughs> having my morning coffee, and he sticks his nose in my elbow and cuddles my arm. Oh, oh that's So cute. not only have I lost a dog, I've lost my cuddles. You need, yeah, we need to get him back inside. And, and part of it is, like we were saying, is that there's a stress response. So the Feliway, F-E-L-I-W-A-Y, and um, you can get that from, I think, pretty much pet stores and vets and so on. Um, and just thinking about whether you you get the diffuser or do you get the bottle. And if you use the bottle, you only need to spray a very small amount just on the doorway where the cat enters the room. You don't go and sp- spray it all around the room. And you just no, spray but you won't even come near the house. Yeah, if you put it on the outside, at least that'll get him back in. Yeah, and, okay. And then that way, once he's in, he'll just be like, ooh, this is a calm room. Um, you might need to do it a couple of times in the first week, but uh, after that, it's like once a week. And you just do it at cat height. No point putting it up too high because um, you yep. won't want him to get it. We can't smell it. Um, I don't think it, it works on making people calm, but it wo- certainly works on cats. So just be careful too. The other thing is a lot of people I've seen have um, potpourri or incense around and think because that's kind of calming for us, potpourri is actually quite toxic for cats. Yeah. And um, a lot of incense is eucalyptus-based. That's toxic for cats. Okay. So we just need to be careful. And also another thing I see, a lot of cats inside and people getting lilies, flowers. And yes, they don't like lilies. They're dangerous. So just a few things. We don't want to kind of bring him inside and then have some of these other things there that could be dangerous. So Okay. Thanks very much, Jennifer, for the call. 49216216. Hope you can get your cuddles back very, very soon. Now, speaking of cuddles and smoochies, we've got Emma and Charlie today for our Dogs of the Week. Now, this is oh, cute. too much. Please mm. head to 2 <laughs> to have a look. This is a bonded pair and they are just unlikely friends because one of them is a two-year-old Staffy Cross and the other one is a two-year-old Chihuahua Cross. So one's a little bit bigger than the other, but they are just in love. So they would have to go together. So they're an unlikely duo. They're best friends, Emma and Charlie, a bonded pair, and um, they're everything you need to complete your fur baby family. So they've lived together for most of their lives. They love each other to pieces, and they will need to be rehomed together. So they play together. They spoon each other at night and during nap time. They really do spoon. Look at that. Mm. Oh, that is a adorable uh, and they love giving each other little kisses as well so Emma's the two-year-old Staffy Cross who loves nothing more than to greet you with a big smile and sloppy kisses at the door she's a gentle soul who will give you cuddles on the couch but is also happy to take herself off to her own bed with her favorite chew toy good on you Emma and Charlie the two-year-old Chihuahua Cross typical lap dog loves nothing more than curling up next to you for endless pats and cuddles uh, he takes his time to get to know new people but once you've gained his trust he'll show you unconditional love the best kind of dog or person by the way Uh, and emma can be strong on the lead but we've found that walking them separately can be helpful being walked together seems to turn into a competition of who goes first Uh, they're both in good health they don't require much grooming and are quite low medium energy and maintenance so if you'd like more information then please head to our website to to have a look at them
them. Now, we're looking today at uh, cats, David, and inappropriate mm. urination. Well, just as we were saying with Jennifer, this uh, product, Feliway, how useful it is for stressed cats. And sometimes I was reminded of this a couple of weeks ago with a, a cat that I saw that had started spraying urine around the house. And the reason was this was a totally indoor cat. The uh, neighbor's cat were coming into the yard and coming up onto the patio and spraying on the patio. Oh, so okay. even though um, the cat couldn't go outside but could still see the other cat and yes. certainly could smell the other cat. Right. That is enough to stress cats out. And so they respond in a couple of ways, but the way that we're talking about today is inappropriate urination. So basically the definition of that is any time that they don't use the litter tray. Okay. So there can be medical causes and there are some tips and tricks how we kind of work out whether this is medical or is it behavioural. If the the spraying on a surface that is vertical, in other words, maybe on a door, a wall, curtains, whatever, it's probably behavioural. Okay. If they're spraying on a flat surface, for instance, let's say your cat hops in the litter tray, might have a, a blockage, a partial blockage, or maybe they're, they're constipated or something, they could actually be urinating even beside the litter tray. And that's just because they didn't get in there in time or maybe they strained and thought nothing was happening. So there's a little trick is if it's horizontal surface, it's probably a medical reason. And if it's a vertical surface, it's probably behavioural. Yeah, that's a good that's a good mm. tip. I haven't heard that one now, before. Yeah. Makes and, sense. But there's a little bit of an overlap. There's always a grey zone. Yes. And that is that a lot of these cats will develop urinary tract dysfunction. Um, and I'll mention that word again in a minute because of stress and then what happens is they actually get blockages in their bladder so the stress induces you know this behavioral psychological ah. problem induces a medical problem so you've got problems overlapping which then right. i guess can be confusing to know the root cause right and but the usual way that we work that out is we can actually look at the bladder either by palpation or ultrasound and work out if there's crystals or there's a blockage and that can become a medical emergency. If they get a blocked bladder, they can go into kidney failure within, you know, hours to day. So it's something to keep an eye on your cat and know their habits um, and to just pay attention in case, you know, if there are other animals, doesn't have to be another cat. Could be you've got another cat. Could be you've got a dog. Could be you've got a child. Maybe your cat responds just in this way because they're stressed. So one of the things we talk about, some very simple tricks one is you need one litter tray per cat plus one so I, I have seen clients who've had three cats one litter tray and i say well the first thing you need to do is go and buy three more litter trays mm. um, you use different types of litter in the tray so some cats prefer this type and some cats prefer this type have them in different areas of the house some of the litter trays are covered some are you know open make sure they're cleaned regularly as soon as they're used and um, the other thing is the feliway as I mentioned uh, make sure you, you might have to use that for instance say if you're moving house I would use it ahead of time I wouldn't wait for the cat to show that it's stressed yes because you know that's going to be stressful and then um, a lot of people ask about diet so there are some diets that are more helpful for cats that have got uh, bladder problems and uh, inappropriate urination 
Uh, and sometimes the diet doesn't really make much difference. Um, but again, just make sure you've got fresh water available at all times. And sometimes that means multiple sources. You've got to make sure that they've got access. Cats generally don't drink a huge amount of water, but if they're a, a cat that lives on dry food themselves, you just need to make sure that you've got that available. Otherwise, they could end up with one of these problems. So, David, if there's um, other cats or dogs that are coming to the territory and mm-hmm. urinating, uh, if the cat starts urinating inappropriately, is it because it's stressed or could it be trying to mark over the scent of the other animal? Um, sometimes. Obviously, if your cat's going outside, yes. And... Um, I had I had another kind of variant of that question is like how close does the other cat have to be? That's a little bit difficult. Okay. If, because when you look at cat behavior, their territory is basically two houses wide. Okay? So it's your house and a house either side. Okay. Now if your neighbor's got a cat, then their cat says, "Well, that your backyard is now mine." So we've got this problem is that cats are actually being crammed in so we just have to be careful and recognise that even if the other cat doesn't come in the yard, just having a neighbour cat could be enough stress. Yeah, certainly. All right, some really interesting thoughts there and some good advice too if you are a cat owner. Uh, look, I think we're running out of time. I know we did have another call, Christine, uh, a three-month-old kitten that keeps biting. A bit hard to answer in 30 seconds, David. <laughs> they will but stop putting your hand in their mouth. That's... <laughs> okay. No, because they use their mouth to find things. Explore. Yes, All just right. like babies. And so stop putting your hand there, like to try take to your, limit just access. Just take your hand away. Don't smack them or anything, though. Just take your hand away. Okay. Hmm. All right, then, and hopefully they'll grow out of it. Yes. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.